Our scripture uh, passage today is from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. You were dead through the trespasses and sins in which you once lived, following the course of this world, following the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work among those who are disobedient. All of us once lived among them in the past following the desires of flesh and senses, and we were by nature the children of wrath like everyone else. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he, he has loved us, even though we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved." and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness, kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast, for we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. Amen. And may God bless to our understanding uh, this reading from God's holy word. Let us pray. <laughs> God, you've spoken to us in so many ways, and you continue to speak to us every day. But you have spoken most clearly and most decisively in your Son, Jesus. It is to him that your scriptures bear witness. And so, as we have heard your scripture read, and as we hear your scripture uh, unpacked this morning, we pray that you would open the eyes of our hearts so that we may see and hear your truth and that we may be moved to follow. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Change is everywhere. Uh, change is a permanent feature of our fast-paced life. In fact, we might say the only constant is change. I mean, how often do we use that expression? The only thing that's constant is change. Now, human beings have throughout history have always had to cope with change. Change is nothing new. When we talk about how change affects us, we should pause to think about our pioneer ancestors, leaving the village where their families had lived for centuries, waving goodbye to loved ones that they knew they would never see again, getting on a leaky, disease-infested boat crossing the ocean, getting dropped in the middle of the bush in a strange country, and having to start life all over again from scratch. The changes in our lives are nothing compared to the changes in theirs. What's perhaps different for us today is the pace of change, the speed of change. It's not only constant, it's getting faster and faster all the time. New technologies are now obsolete in five years, five years or less. Now, think about what that means for education 
or business. Perhaps some of you are, are facing that in your own, your own lives. Before you even learn how to use the latest technology, it's already been replaced by something else. So change is happening so fast, it's outstripping our human ability to adapt to it. As Nobel laureate Bob Dylan famously put it, the times they are a-changin'. Now, we certainly experience the impact of change in the church. Many churches have gone from being packed to the rafters to barely hanging on within the living memory of many of us here today. Seventeen centuries of Christian civilization seems to be disappearing before our very eyes. And so we ask the question constantly, well, what do we need to change? What changes do we need to make in order to turn the things around, to, to bring people back, to keep the church going. Our relationship to change, though, is more complex than it seems at first, though. In one breath, we say change is the only constant, but in the very next breath, we might say, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Isn't it true that in the midst of head-spinning change, we get the feeling that everything is still the same old, same old. I mean, that's kind of how we feel about a year after every election, isn't it? You know, I voted for change, how come nothing's any different? Politicians campaign on a platform of change, but then once they're in power, they seem to act an awful lot like the ones that they replaced. And nothing seems to change, not really. We know this in our personal lives too, don't we? You know, you're dissatisfied uh, with your job, your house, your hairstyle, your wardrobe, your partner, your golf stroke, your health, your church, and you decide, I gotta make some changes here. But those changes don't make your problems go away. I had a pastor friend who had a series of very troubled ministries, one after the other, one conflict after another. And remarkably, it was, a, it was a, a remarkable thing. Every church he went to was filled with people whose sole mission in life was to undermine him and destroy him. It was remarkable. And, you know, he got very angry if you suggested that at least part of the reason for that pattern might have something to do with him. There's that other old saying, everywhere I go, there I am. Change like change, like love, uh, is one of those English words that we use to mean a whole lot of different things. Our English word change has a long history. It comes to us by way of the French changer from the Latin cambire, which meant originally to barter. So the original meaning of change was to exchange one thing for another. So my wife's hairdresser said she was looking for a Christmas tree, a second Christmas tree, but didn't really want to spend the money. Well, we had just replaced our tree, so my wife said, well, we'll give you our old tree uh, in exchange for a haircut. That was the original meaning of the word change. In my work for Waterloo Presbytery, I deal with churches struggling with change all the time. And often what they want to do to address this is to change their board and committee structure. They hope to solve their problems of slow decision-making and not enough volunteers by reorganizing. They rename their committee's teams, and they, you know, cut down on the number of them. And I always tell them, remember, 
changing often means trading one set of problems for another. You know, sometimes you do need to make changes, but just realize that those changes are going to solve some problems, but they're going to create new ones. So just be ready for that. And a lot of the changes we experience are like that. They exchange one set of problems, one set of headaches for another, but the underlying reality stays the same. So dealing with change, I believe, involves developing the wisdom to discern what needs to change and what needs to stay the same. Sometimes in the church, I feel that we hold on to things we should be letting go of, and we let go of things that we should be preserving. You know, there's an amazing verse in the 12th chapter of the book of Hebrews that I, I always get drawn back to. The author of Hebrews is reflecting on the words, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens. He was in a time of seismic change, just as we are, a time when the foundations of the world were being shaken, and he counsels his readers to not be dismayed at that shaking. What is shaken, he writes, will be removed so that what cannot be shaken may remain. So there's all this shaking going on, and what crumbles reveals what cannot crumble, what endures, what remains the same. In the midst of rapid earth-shaking change, we need to pray for this wisdom and the faith to see what cannot be shaken, what cannot be shaken, what is unchanging, what is enduring. For Christians, what can never be shaken is the faithfulness of God. As St. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, nothing in all creation, not even death itself, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's what lasts in the midst of all these changes. So our challenge becomes one not just of figuring out what changes we can make to keep our church going, for example, but one of ensuring that we are grounded in that which does not change, the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. As society changes, we try to figure out how we can change with it. And that's great. The church has always figured out how to adapt to changes in culture in order to connect more effectively with people. I was just reading about a Twitter church in England Rather than being told to please silence your cell phone during the service, worshippers are asked to get their phones out and to tweet about the service as it's going on to their followers and friends. But what we're finding is that changes in music, worship, staffing, committees, buildings, websites, technology, that none of these things in themselves can really change what's happening around us. None of them is able to impact a culture that is rapidly moving away from religious institutions like ours at an accelerating rate. We can exchange one kind of music for another. We can have Twitter services. We can get better coffee, but it won't really change things. And that's where another meaning of the word change becomes really key. We use the word change to mean trading one way of doing things for another but we also meet, use it to mean the change that happens inside of us. Change can also mean transformation, metamorphosis, the change that makes us different even while the world around us seems to be the same. 
In our scripture text from Ephesians, St. Paul is describing this kind of transformation. It's a transformation that may not change the outward circumstances of our lives, our job, our health, our status in society, our popularity. What it does change is on a much deeper level, our relationship with God. The transformation may leave the outward circumstances of our lives looking pretty much the same as they were before, but it overcomes the separation or the alienation that stands between us and God. And that, St. Paul says, is our fundamental problem, no matter who we are. We were created to live in fellowship with God, but because of our brokenness and sin, we exist in a state of alienation, of hostility towards God. And no matter how successful or how happy we may seem, that basic reality that we are estranged from the God who made us remains. And Paul calls this state of affairs death. If God is the source and sustainer of life, to be separated from God is death. And you can be living and breathing and walking around and talking, Paul says, but you will still be dead in your trespasses. Well, the amazing good news is that God has acted to change all that. God, who is rich in mercy, has rescued us from the power of death and made us alive in Christ. God takes us from a place of alienation and, and condemnation to a place of reconciliation and peace. This is the change that the gospel is all about. It's the transformation of our relationship with God which then changes everything else. It's the inner transformation that makes outward change even possible. When we experience God's grace, we realize that we are created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. The reason Christianity swept the Mediterranean world in the years following the death and resurrection of Jesus was that it gave hope to the hopeless. It was available to anyone, regardless of status or circumstances. Women, slaves, the poor, the outcast learned that they too were equally the beloved children of God. One thing St. Paul is often criticized for today is for not making a stronger stand against slavery. Uh, Paul took slavery for granted. He never advocated its abolition. But if you were to ask Paul, he would tell you that slavery is irrelevant because it's the liberation that comes to us in Christ that is infinitely more important than our social position. You can be a slave but be free in Christ and equally, you can be released from outward slavery and yet remain bound within. Now, this is a moment of danger that occurs in many sermons. A moment when you realize that people might think you are saying exactly the opposite of what you actually are saying. We need to be very careful here. We are not saying that outward circumstances don't matter. That Christians should not care about poverty or suffering, or modern-day forms of slavery, because all that matters is whether we're free inside. That argument has been used throughout the ages by the powerful to keep the powerless in their place. You know, slave owners used to praise the 
docile, obedient slave, assuring him that he would be with Jesus when he died. Well, the Bible should never be used to prop up that kind of injustice or to excuse oppression. So let's be clear about that. At the same time, Paul is saying something deeply true, that we can shift things in our lives around all we want, but without the peace of God that comes to us as a free gift, nothing will really change on a deep level. We can rearrange everything about ourselves, but if we don't know the transforming love of God, we will not be truly free. Outside St. Catharines, where I live, they're building this huge facility to treat children with mental health problems. And there's like a billboard sign out the front, and one of the things it says is that one in five children has a mental health issue. 20% of children are classed as having some form of mental illness or mental health problem. I mean, if you think about it, that's astonishing. Most children in our society today have advantages and opportunities unavailable to most children who have ever lived in human history, including now. And yet one in five, we're told, is depressed or anxious or lonely or unhappy to the point where they need intervention. How is it that we can live in the most privileged time in human history, and yet so many of us, including young children, feel hopelessly burdened? Transformative change is change that touches the heart, the mind, and the will. And I want to suggest that this is true of churches and communities as much as individuals. If we want our churches to come alive, it will be because God brings about a transformation within us, not because we adopt the latest technique or technology. We might have the impression that the more things change, the more they stay the same. The gospel tells a different story. Things might look the same, but Christ can make everything different. And the seeds of that transformation may be right in front of our noses, and we didn't realize it. Preachers often get asked, where do you get your ideas for your sermons? The right answer, of course, is the Bible and the Holy Spirit. But the seeds for this sermon come, came from that great theologian, Paul Simon. Paul Simon, Paul Simon, the non-religious Jew who, by his own admission, just can't seem to stop talking about God. Anyway, Paul Simon has a song called Once Upon a Time There Was an Ocean. And that song starts like this. Once upon a time there was an ocean, but now it's a mountain range. Something unstoppable is set into motion. Nothing is different, but everything's changed. So we see here the upheavals that occur in the, in the uh, evolution of the earth as a kind of metaphor for our lives. And I don't know, maybe Paul Simon was thinking about the earthquake that happened in New Zealand in 1933, where when people emerged from the ruins of their houses, they found that nothing was in the same place anymore. Everything had moved. So what had been, had been uh, uh, there was a mountain where it had been flat, uh, where it was dry land, there was now a lagoon. Nothing was in the same place anymore. Um, and I think that what's true of the planet is true in our lives, and maybe he's kind of getting at this. 
Paul Simon has an amazing gift for connecting the universal and the personal. And so this song, Once Upon a Time There Was an Ocean, it turns to a man's life. Someone looking to exchange the drudgery of a dead-end existence for a dream of pleasure and love. Looking to leave behind the ho-hum familiarity of home for greener and more exciting pastures. Out of here. How am I going to get out of here? I'm thinking out of here. When am I going to get out of here? When will I cash in my lottery ticket and bury my past with my burdens and strife? I want to shake every limb in the Garden of Eden and make every love the love of my life. And he thinks, he thinks he's found what he's looking for. At least he tries to convince himself that this is it, a dingy room in a bad part of town, free at last. Found a room in the heart of a city, down by the bridge, hot plate and TV and beer in the fridge. But I'm easy, I'm open, that's my gift. I can flow with the traffic, I can drift with the drift. Home again? Nah, never going home again. Think about home again? I never think about home again. But then something happens and home begins to appear in a whole new light. Then comes a letter from home. The handwriting is fragile and strange. Something unstoppable is set into motion. Nothing is different, but everything's changed. Nothing about where he came from is any different, but suddenly, unexpectedly, he sees it with new eyes. Home has a new ex uh, significance. What did T.S. Eliot say? We shall not cease from exploration, and the end of all our exploring will be to arrive where we started and know that place for the first time. Sometimes transformation comes to us surprisingly right where we are. The secret of the gospel is that the kingdom of God is among us, within us, and we didn't even realize it. And so Paul Simon's song, Once, a time, Once Upon a Time There Was an Ocean, concludes by taking an astonishing detour into a church. The light through the stained glass was cobalt and red, and the frayed cuffs and collars were mended by golden thread. The choir sang, once upon a time there was an ocean, and all the old hymns and family names came fluttering down as leaves of emotion, as nothing is different, but everything's changed. I wonder, maybe we're a bit too concerned about what we need to change in order to get in step with our times. Maybe we should be more concerned about opening ourselves to the transforming power of the gospel wherever we are and inviting people to share that transformation with us. Maybe we should exchange one common refrain, the more things change, the more they stay the same, for another refrain, nothing. Nothing about my life, my job, my health, my bank account, my church looks any different but strangely, wondrously, everything has changed. Amen. Thanks be to God.